We're going to take a few minutes and study Torah together. You can join with me. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who sanctifies us with his commands and commands us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. I want to talk a little bit about having clear vision for new seasons because we are coming to the beginning of a new year, but we're also reading in Torah about the new season that everyone of the children of Israel was about to face. And when you're going into a new season, it's a good idea to be prepared. And as you move forward in life, I want to encourage you to be prepared for all the new stuff that's ahead. Moses is talking about that in this week's Torah portion. Israel is about to go into the promised land, and he wants the children of Israel to stay on the path. That's one of the ways of describing uh, this journey, the path. Let's say it, the path. A synonym, the way. Let's say that, the way. So Moses is giving a kind of roadmap to the children of Israel. He's speaking to all of the children of Israel about vision for their future. And he wants to be very straightforward about life and what he wants for them. He wants the children of Israel to be people of faith, faithful people, and he knows that as they're going into new circumstances, new seasons, new conditions, they have to be careful not to be pulled away from the God of Israel. Even on the journey it's happened, people have gotten pulled away and it can be disastrous. And so there's this clear word that there's blessing and there's curse. And he wants the children of Israel to choose the way of blessing. This is really clear because you can ask any random group of people who wants to be blessed, and 100% of the people will say, I want to be blessed. And you can ask that same group who wants to be cursed, and no one will say, I want to be cursed. So everyone wants to be blessed, no one wants to be cursed, but Moses isn't talking about that, he's talking about the way of life that leads to blessing and the way of life that leads in the other direction. And he wants to be really clear with the children of Israel, the life of faithfulness to God is a life that leads to blessing and the life of unfaithfulness to God, or abandoning God, or worshiping other gods. You could be religious just not worshiping the God of Israel. That life is not blessed, it's cursed. He's using really blunt terms. And I think for most of us, blunt terms are very important that we all like to nuance them when it applies to us. But he knows this. He knows that the children of Israel need the protection that comes from clear vision. Without vision, the scripture says, people cast off restraint. 
Without vision, people perish. Without vision, people can't choose what to say yes to and what to say no to. You need vision. I remember when one of my grandsons, who was a, he was a short guy, about that height at the time. He wasn't long and, and lanky. He was kind of solid and relatively short, but he was a champion swimmer. So he didn't have the physique that was best for champion swimmers, but he still was committed and he was a great swimmer. But he was on a team that had practice at something like 4.30 in the morning. Yeah, 4.30 in the morning. And he was committed to go. And he went. And his father had to be committed. That always amuses me when our son has to get up early. I mean, actually, his life is based on getting up early because he's a greenhouse uh, grower of microgreens, little tiny things. So he has to get up early, whether he likes it or not. But we remember the times as a teenager when getting him up was a major labor. And how many, some parents can remember this, how many times does it take to try to get a teenager to get out of bed? And so there's this point where I would say to our son, you know, there's justice ahead. And one day, (laughs) but I was thinking it wasn't really justice at this point. It was commitment. Our son who had to drive our grandson was just as committed. But our grandson would get up at 4.30 in the morning and go do his practice with his team and with his coach. And really, that takes commitment. But where does commitment come from? It often comes from vision, the vision of wanting to be excellent in something and knowing what it's going to take. The vision of uh, a desire to prepare and to get ready in order to reach a goal that's not easy. If someone doesn't have the desire, it's very hard for them to uh, commit to such things. But when they have desire, you know, it's connected to vision, the way that they think about things, about themselves. Teachers know this. When, When students have a vision of being a D student, just barely not failing, They know what kind of work they're going to get out of that student. And when a student has a vision for doing really well and mastering the material because they love the learning and they want to learn, they know how easy it is. There are students who will come and ask for extra work in order to get extra points, in order to advance in something. And there are other students whose only question when the teacher is talking is, is this going to be on the test? But Moses understands 
this idea of vision, and he knows that if people, if the children of Israel are going to make it in the new season, they have to have a clear desire to be faithful, to be people who can be blessed, to be people of faith. And so they have to have a desire to be with the Lord. That's why, what is the greatest commandment? To love the Lord your God. Because without that love, it won't be sustained. He wants them to be prepared for the challenges ahead, and there will be, because he knows that faithfulness and adversity is so important. People can be faithful when times are easy, but what about when times are difficult? He wants them to be prepared to face the challenges of the next season and to have unstoppable tenacity so they keep going even when it's difficult. And Moses knows that clear vision mixed with faith, mixed with hope, mixed with courage, work together and empower people to choose carefully, wisely, and well. Now, this may sound funny, but I think that bus drivers are some of the best practical examples of people who have clear vision. Because drivers, bus drivers, know where they're going. And they make it clear to everyone who wants to go with them. And I, I hope we can pull this up. Um, I've got a picture of bus number 19 that um, we're going to see if we can show you. Do we have it? No? We, we may or may not. But I tell you, we had it last night on the video uh, that you can now watch on um, Facebook or YouTube from the service last night from the Shabbat um, message. And I just want you to sort of conjure this in, in your mind because it's, it's not difficult. You know what a city bus looks like. It's got at the top, at the front, it has the bus number. Bus number 19 was the one that I found interesting. And then it has the destination, in this case, downtown. And bus number 19 is headed where? Downtown. And so if you want to go in that direction, you can take bus number 19. If it comes your way and you're in the right place, you can get there. However, if you don't want to go in that direction, you don't get on that bus, right? And the bus drivers know this. Everybody in the system, the transit system knows this, so they make it really clear. They have clarity of vision so that everybody who knows where they want to go can figure out what bus to get on and when to get off. There's another example that I find interesting because we have the Jags here in Jacksonville. And on game day, there are special buses called Game Day Express. And they go to certain parking areas outside, you know, different places outside of uh, the city core. People can park their cars and they can get on that game day express and it takes them right to the stadium. And for game day express, they have special buses that 
have letters as big as human beings, you know, on the side, game day express, you can't miss it. But that's only for people who want to go to the game, right? The vision is really clear. Now, this may not relate to you, but I want you to think about how practical it is. You may not be a bus rider, but I want you to think about how practical it is to ask questions like, where am I headed? And how am I going to get there? And in terms of the Torah portion, we can say, what kind of person do I want to be? Where am I headed? Oh, look, Game Day Express. There it is. You can't miss it, right? We're showing it on, uh, on screen here. I like that. Game Day Express. Any question about where it's going? None at all. Where are you headed? That question helps you find the path and stay on it. In this week's Torah portion, Deuteronomy 11:28, Moses is very blunt. And he says, don't turn aside from the way. Don't get off the path. There's this excerpt in the curse, if you do not obey the Lord your God, but turn aside from the way, which I command you today, to go after and go after other gods which you haven't known. Don't get off the way. Don't turn off the way. Don't leave the way. It's important to stay on the way and to know the way. And Moses is preparing the children of Israel for the good future the Lord has for them. He knows the future is forward, but he knows it's not just forward in any direction, it's forward on the way, forward on the path. We have to know the path. The prophet Isaiah said, prepare the way of the Lord. It had to do with the coming of Messiah. Yeshua said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He said, I'm the way. It's not just that there's a path, but there is, a, there is God who is the path. And, and Paul, I like something he said. He was, he was talking to a Roman official. It's in Acts 24, verse 14, and he says, I admit that I worship the God of our fathers as a follower of the way, which they call a sect, but I believe everything that is in accordance with Torah and that is written in the prophets. So he said, regardless of what you think, I say for sure, I'm walking in the way and I'm living according to the way of the Lord. The way of the Lord is the way of Messiah. And the way of Messiah is in accordance with Torah and the prophets. And so it's important not just to say to yourself, well, I'm moving forward, that counts. Moving in the right direction. Staying on the path is so important. The faithful life. And so we can ask ourselves, is this our vision too? Do we want to go not just forward, but on the path? Do we want to be on the path of Messiah? Do we want to be on the path of the Messianic movement? 
Do we want to be on the path of faithfulness to Yeshua? So Moses is telling Israel, you've got to be prepared because you're going into new circumstances and we can learn from what they had to face. They had to make a clean break. They had to make a clean break from Egypt and the way of thinking of Egypt, but they also had to make a clean break from all other gods and all other philosophies and ways of life and all other religions in order to serve the God of Israel. In Deuteronomy 12.2, they're given this instruction that was particular for that time. You must destroy all the places where the nations you're dispossessing are serving their gods, whether on high mountains, on hills, or under some leafy tree. Break down their altars, smash their standing stones to pieces, burn up their sacred poles completely, cut down the carved images of their gods, exterminate their name from that place. Destroy, break down, smash with all other gods being removed from the land. That was very specific at that time. But something we can learn from this is everybody needs to cut ties and to make a clean break. We need to be clear for ourselves that, that we are not going to be serving other gods. We're going to be serving one God, Amen. the God. In Hebrew, holy is a powerful word. How do you say holy in Hebrew? Kadosh. Kadosh. And it means separate. The life of faith requires some separation. We've got to cut ties. We've got to make a clean break. We've got to separate ourselves from anything and everything that pulls us away from God. It's also the message of repentance. Don't just feel bad about the sins that, that you've committed. Make a turn into a new direction. And that leads us to the second instruction, which is turn to God and draw close to the Lord. We turn away from everything that separates us from God. We make a clean break and we turn to the Lord. We keep him in the foreground. And that's what Israel was, was told, Deuteronomy 12, 4. You are to come to the place where Adonai your God will put his name. He will choose it from all your tribes and you will seek out that place which is where he will live and go there. You'll bring there your burnt offerings, your sacrifices, your tents, your tithes, the offerings that you give, the offerings you vowed, your voluntary offerings and the firstborn of your cattle and sheep. And there you'll eat in the presence of Adonai your God and you will rejoice over everything you set out to do, you and your households in which Adonai your God has blessed you. So if the first step is to make a clean break and separate from everything that, that pulls you away from God, the second step is to do everything that you do and to do it with God in mind and to do everything you can that draws you close to God. So there are examples here. Come to his house. 
Bring your offerings of praise and your tithes and your generous gifts. Celebrate in the presence of God. When you come here, even if you are going through difficulty, bring your difficulty to the Lord. Offer to him even your sufferings. Enter into the fellowship of his sufferings. He knows your sufferings. And then rejoice over everything you set out to do, you and your households. Rejoice. Expect the blessings of your God. And remember the blessings of God. Blessings beget blessings. Remembering begets remembering. When, when you remind the Lord that you know that what you have that's a blessing came from him and you thank him for it, you know what? It causes you to think of more things that he's given to you. Remember the blessings. Live a joyful life before him. I've been in many different countries and talked to believers in many different places. And some believers have a model of, of spiritual life that someone described this way. They were immersed in lemon juice. They were baptized in lemon juice. They just came out sour. And I, I've seen such people, and, and they feel it's appropriate to always be somber. Sort of dark, even. Not to smile, not to have joy, but... One of the religious signs of such people, it, it, I say this with a little caution, is you ask them how they're doing and they'll say in their language, praise God. <laughs> in Hebrew, they'll say, Baruch Hashem. In Russian, Slava Bogu. And they'll say it sort of like that. They'll, how are you doing? Well, Baruch Hashem. Which literally means praise his name, praise the name of the Lord. But actually means I'm not doing well. And I, I once asked the question, it was innocent enough, but I said, to such a person, you never seem to smile. Do you have the joy of the Lord? And this one person said, yeah. <laughs> it's uh, really deep in there. <laughs> and I thought, it's so deep it's hard to get to. Now, there are fake smiles. We all know how to fake smile. That's not what the Lord is calling for. He wants authenticity. But there is a, a way of living life with joy. And of course, there, is, there are times of mourning and sorrow. And it's not that we deny all that. And we say, oh, everything's always great, because it's not always great. 
we do need to learn how to enter into the fellowship of suffering with the Lord and to be able to process our suffering and our grief with God, who's familiar with that, so that the joyful life can actually be our life. Because if you just push down your grief and your sorrows and you don't experience them with God, you won't receive the comfort God has. Yeshua put it simply, blessed are those who mourn, they will be comforted. We also need to learn God's ways and to follow the Lord and serve him and to love him. There's another instruction. Don't let anyone pull you into anything that'll break your relationship with God. Deuteronomy 13 says, if your brother, the son of your mother, your son, your daughter, your wife, whom you love, your friend who means as much to you as yourself, secretly tries to entice you to go and serve other gods, which you haven't known, neither you nor your fathers, gods of the people surrounding you, whether near or far away from you, anywhere in the world, you are not to consent. You're not to listen to him, and you must not pity him or spare him. You may not conceal him. And so we could say, don't let anyone pull you into anything that will break your relationship with God. No matter who it is, no matter how important they are, how much you love them, how significant they are to you, don't follow their example. This, I think, is what Yeshua is talking about when he said, if anyone comes to me and doesn't hate his father and mother and wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, his own life, he can't be my disciple. He was saying, you've got to love God so much that you will not allow yourself to be pulled away by significant relationships that are pulling you away from God. Don't let that happen to you. But I love her, I love him. Well, you be the influence for good on them, don't let them be the influence of harm for you. That's what it means to have vision, to have integrity, to stay with the Lord. And Yeshua says, count the cost, learn to do this, understand that these things are hard and they take commitment. Just like Moses was saying, don't get pulled away. Stay on the path with God. I want to close by applying this to a few seasons in life. Those who are uh, going to college or university, which is great. It's important to keep in mind where you're headed, what kind of person do you want to be, so that you can keep your vision clear and you can make the best choices. You can fellowship with people who will uh, strengthen your resolve to serve the Lord instead of pull you away. I'll apply that to seminary too, because some, some folks are contemplating going to seminary and I would just say, don't, don't choose a seminary that becomes a cemetery for your faith. Because sometimes when people begin to study, they're exposed to all sorts of wild theories and ideas that are born of unbelief. And they give in to that because they've never asked questions and worked to have answers for them. And it's not that they had blind faith, it's that they didn't have resolve. They had never counted the cost. They'd never considered hard questions. They hadn't learned to do that.
one more group, people getting married or who want to get married. It's, it's good to want to be married. I want to be married. That's good, because I am married. Everybody who is married, <laughs> right? You've seen other marriages break, and what happens is when one or both of the people say, I don't want to be married anymore. That's the end for many people. We've got to hold on to the want to. But what I found is it's important when you're choosing a mate to choose someone who shares vision, values, and goals with you. Sometimes people want to get married because they don't want to be lonely anymore. And they don't know it's possible to be married and lonely. And other people uh, choose a mate because they are physically attracted to the person, and that's the only reason. He's hot. <laughs> She's hot. I had a friend once who married a woman, good woman, good woman. And he thought she was hot. But after they were married for about a decade, she started looking more and more like her mom <laughs> and her grandmother and started moving in that direction. So I always teach young people especially it's wonderful to be attracted together. You want to marry someone you're attracted to, absolutely. But remember this, you're gonna get old. And so you're marrying someone who's gonna become like their grandmother or their grandfather, and you are too. So being hot is a temporary condition unless you live in Florida where we're always hot, <laughs> but a different kind of hot. But there's shared vision, values, and goals, but there's one other thing that, that I think is so essential for, for the success of a marriage, and that is to be able to solve problems together. You can't really pick your problems. Some problems just come upon you. And some people have very small problems, but they don't learn to solve the problems together, to face them together and to work on them. The problems become a wedge that divides them. And small problems with such people can turn into broken relationships. Other people have huge problems, genuinely big problems, but they learn to face those problems together. And they bring those problems together for solutions and they seek the Lord as well for their problems. And even though they have incredible problems, they face those problems and that transforms the problems into a challenge not just a problem, a challenge for which there will be better times ahead, a challenge for which there will be a victory, a challenge for which there will be resolve and they keep together despite their problems. So it's not 
the problems themselves, it's how we face the problems. Do we try to face them together or not? You can't choose the problems always in life, but you can choose who you'll go through those problems with. And so you want to pick someone who you can go through better and worse with. Because in life there will be times that are better and times that are worse, right? So you want to pick people who are not just, you know, great to party with, but they're also great to mourn with. I got to wrap up. This was really the last piece of advice. It's from Moses. It's that your schedule, your schedule will be affected by your faith because your priorities will be affected. In Deuteronomy 16, he gives some examples. Verse 1, keep Passover. Verse 9, celebrate Shavuot. Verse 13, celebrate Sukkot. It's not an exhaustive list. There's Shabbat, which rolls around every week. There's the rest of the high holidays. But what he's saying is, let your schedule reflect your faithfulness to God. And so with that in mind, remember that Rosh Hashanah comes Friday, September 15th, Saturday, September 16th, and then there's 10 days later, there's Yom Kippur, then the Sukkot and Simchat Torah. Build your schedule to reflect those priorities. I got I wrote so many notes for this, and I got through it last night pretty quick. So if you want to hear most of everything, watch on YouTube or on uh, Facebook or listen to the podcast from last night, and you'll get some more details. But Sandy looked at my notes and said, that is long. (laughs) How are you going to get through it all? And the answer is... I'm not. I'm finished. I'm finished. So I'm going to close right now with a prayer, (laughs) and we're finished. Thank you, Lord, for new seasons. Thank you for clear vision, and let us prepare for the seasons ahead for this coming year by having clarity of vision. Who are we before you? Who do we want to be with you? And how do we keep our lives close to you so that they can be lives of blessing? That's our heart, Lord, in Yeshua's name. Amen. We're going to close with Aaron's blessing. Would you please rise? And for those who are joining us by podcast, would you consider standing with us financially? You can find out all the information on our webpage, BethIsraelNow.com slash giving. We're going to close with Aaron's blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause the light of his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his face to you and give you his peace in the name of Yeshua, the Prince of Peace. Amen. Shabbat Shalom, everyone.